0: Thank you, Father. Lord, we have come before you. Open our hearts to your word. Expose us to the weightier matters. Jesus Christ rebuked those men of his days. He said, You tight, might and Even the minutes. But you left the weightier matters of the kingdom. In other words, there there are serious issues. Essential issues in the gospel. Lord, open our eyes to see them. Because until we see them, we will not see what matters to you. We will not see the attachment and the value placed on certain things. Oh, God, help us. Issues as truth. Issues on the matter of grace, on the matter of justice, on the matter of faithfulness. In everything, in our stewardship, in our assignment, Jesus help us. Jesus help us. Holy Ghost help us. Help us to see. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Alright, now this time around we want to look at a very simple subject the Lord had laid on my heart for some times now. And I've titled it, um, The God You You Never Knew. You know, I have a book I wrote, um, I titled The Jesus You Never Knew. Alright, I'm not even preaching from the context of the book, but yesterday as I was on my table um, and and, and I was studying, the Lord dropped some things in my heart again. Um, Actually, it was um, a portion of scriptures uh, from chapter 17. It was uh, Apostle Paul's experience in the Athens, and then he was preaching to the Athenians, and he told the Athenians, look, you've known a lot of gods, and yet there seems to be this um, um, lack of satisfaction, as though you have not touched the real substance, and really you've not touched it and you have a lot of altars for deities and you have one in particular for an unknown God and this God you did not know have come to discuss with you. Hallelujah! Maybe you are that type you've been looking after God, there is a crave on your inside, you've been hungry after God but you don't actually know how to lay hold on Him. You know we have Christians who have been pretty long in the church, they cannot pray Say a prayer book. They can't, they can't talk to the Father. You know, two things has always fascinated me in the Christian faith. Two things of all. It's not even the Holy Ghost. Two things fascinated me the most. One of them is our acceptance. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4. No, verse 6. He said that he has made us accepted in the beloved. My acceptance. Just as I am. You know, you don't need to be a better person to know God. Glory be to God forevermore. Just as you are. Just as you are. Just as you are, you can come to know the Father. Hallelujah. And the second thing that has fascinated me so much is our oneness with the Father. John chapter 14. The Bible says that in that day, you will know that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. And that you are in all that the Father may be glorified in Christ. In other words, Christ did not just bring me into God to be a slave to God. No, 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 no. He has brought me and made me one with God. I like the word monogeny, which means I'm begotten of God. It's necessary I mention that because Apostle Paul made us understand that we are God's offspring. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. The God you never knew. And here this morning, I feel the Holy Ghost wants us to know that the only place We can have the essence of life The only place we can actually have our being Is in God Apostle Paul recited the, the, the lines of the poem To them in Athens In your own poem, you wrote that in him You live and have your being What does that mean? That everybody is composed in God Our DNA structure is composed in God In other words My life is designed to function Only in God and not outside of him, and when I sat outside of him, I couldn't do anything, I wouldn't be able to amount to anything. First uh, John chapter 15, verse 1 Amen. Um, you you will bear fruit, and without me, you can't do anything. That's the paraphrase of scriptures. I am the branch, I am the vine of the branches, a tree that abides in me, I will prune, and without me, you can't do anything. But what I want to present to you is, is the God you have not known. Maybe I've been seeking to know God as a task on the inside of you. Maybe you feel that this gospel of a thing is a gimmick. Maybe this past not, you know, you know, things have been so bastardized and that has turned the devil to pollute the mind of people to believe that the gospel is not real. That's a lie of the devil. And that's why God did not make this gospel to be something that you will practice by the. Strict leadership of your pastors. Your pastors are to guide you into God's schema or scope of things. But primarily, God's greatest objective is to relate with you as an individual. Glory be to God forevermore. Hallelujah forevermore. The God you never knew. Actually, I have about four scriptures to look at. But let me start properly by asking you a very simple question. What do you know about God? You know, we think about many things, but we don't think about God. We think about finances, we think about um, fiancee fiancé, we think about our, um, our career, we think about um, our businesses, we think about our relationship, we think about um, our influence on people, we think about so many things, but we have never thought of God. We've never tried to, eval- try to evaluate ourselves, our positioning, our standing, our alignment. What have you got to know about God? Because if you don't know where you are, you cannot climb further. Now, a man that has not realized his wretchedness can never, can never progress. At least if you want to move from this circle, Now, we are talking about the God you never knew. But maybe we can begin to assess what you have known about God. Maybe if by the grace of God you are able to estimate, in fact, even motivational speakers, if they want to take you from your state, maybe your financial state, they will tell you to take stock of where you are. And see the strength available to you to pick from where you are to where you should be. So, in, in, in that sense, in that sense, let's take a stock of your life. Your knowledge of God, your exposure in God, your culture in God, your tradition in God, what you have been exposed to. Maybe you were born in the church, you've been going to church, you, you can recite certain portions of scripture. You know, The most difficult people to minister Jesus Christ to are people who, can, who understand certain things about the church you know i think i was on evangelism sometimes i don't know and i was trying to speak okay yes i have the picture clearly i was ministering jesus christ the guy told me i'm a member of a, of a particular denomination he mentioned the popular denomination i said okay that is good and as we got talking somebody passed and he said Abolo de something like that and he just told me he's a member of the board this guy does not understand so what do you know about god Apostle Paul told the Athenians, You've got to know a lot of things about God. And you do know Plato had lived here, Aristotle too had lived there, Socrates had traveled there, great philosophers. I've traveled in, in, in this region. I know knowledge is, is, is puffing everywhere. But what have you got to know about God? In other words, they know so many things about deities, but there is a God they left unknown. Maybe you have that kind of God, so you don't know. We are going to see a lot of scriptures. And one of the climbers of our thoughts here is on the fact, a single fact, that you can't access God until you come into him. Hallelujah. Now, let me start this way. As we seek to provide an answer to the question, what do you know about God? I would say that there are two sources of spiritual knowledge. Two sources of spiritual knowledge. The knowledge you carried as a result of what of have in the past, like I'm talking to you now. And I think we have more of that knowledge. Some people know some things about God. All I've known about God, I got from somebody. Maybe from the Sunday school. Or from the children church when I was a little boy. The knowledge I carried. So we have a kind of spiritual knowledge that came as a result of what I've listened to. What I've heard people say. What I've heard my preacher preach to me. And that's very popular. But another one which is very vital. It is the knowledge... You came into by your personal contact. And the scripture is filled with distances. Should I mention John chapter 4? We are going to see in details later. About people who heard something about God, about Jesus Christ, as a result of what they've heard. And as time went by, they got to know him by themselves. Or should I I talk about uh, Matthew chapter 16, when Jesus Christ asked the disciples what they think about him. And Peter would tell them uh, that he's the son of God. But before then, Jesus Christ asked them what had men said. In other words, what have they known about him from what men have said so there is such knowledge that is basically based on what people have said and you see a lot of Christians, you know the other day I'm chatting up and then I made a statement, namely I, I, I said a particular guy is a child of God is a, 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 a prominent figure and there was an argument over it. I don't know it can't be a child of God. I said how do you mean we are saved by the merit of Christ we are saved at the expense of Christ we are saved by the life of Christ. So you don't say somebody's not a child of God because you see him act certain way. No, 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 no. Then I ask them, what does it mean to be born again? And they begin to mention things. None of those things they said are according with the scriptures. And yet, as I would take them through the scriptures, like Apostle Paul would do, as I would reason with them through the scriptures, they wouldn't want to accept. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Hallelujah. 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 We must understand that there is a kind of spiritual knowledge that we cannot learn in school. We cannot learn in the Sunday school. The pastor cannot give it to us. It is a revealed knowledge. Hallelujah. First Corinthians chapter 15, Apostle Paul tells us that he, the gospel was preached to him. He learned that Christ died, the land that Christ resurrected, the land that Christ was buried according to the scriptures. But in verse 5, he told us that he also had a personal encounter. He said, I saw him too. Two sources of spiritual knowledge. So what's the own source? Your brags and claim about God. What is the source? So what somebody told you? Or what God revealed to you? And what actually matters is not what somebody told you, is what God revealed to you. However, your knowledge can begin from what somebody begins to tell you about God. But you've got to take it further and begin to find a place. Begin to personalize that which is told you. I read from John chapter 4, verse 39 to 42. Jesus Christ went through Samaria he had to break free from segregation, he had to break free from discrimination, because ordinarily, he should have done everything possible to, have, to, to, avo, um, to avoid that region, because the Samaritans and the Jews had nothing in common, because of apostasy, and the sin of idolatry, because of the contamination. That happened several years ago, about 800 years before Jesus came. Before Jesus Christ came on board. But verse one, chapter four of John, verse one says: Therefore, when the Lord took, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus Himself did not baptize, but His disciples. Verse 3, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee. But he needed, mark the words, verse 4, but he needed to go through Samaria. He could have gone through other means, but he had to break the protocol because there is a lady in that corridor that does not understand God. He never knew God. She was in confusion besides the fact that her her personal life is not gathered. She was a divorcee. She was an a daughter, she had been sleeping with men. How did, how did I know? Jesus Christ told us that she had had men who had been her husband. And the one she was sleeping with is not even her husband. She was not only estranged. She was sleeping around. Her life was a mess. But the bottom line of her problem was because she never knew God did I know because she said it. She asked Jesus, look, I've got to know that you are a prophet. I found out that you've revealed to me what nobody had known about my life. You know, the woman is so perfect in the way she coordinates her life that few people knew things about her or knew her life. And if I thought anybody knows about her life, are those who are close to her. But this is a foreigner she had never met, she had never seen. And then they considered that they met at the Jacob's well. And this man will unravel to her the which is hidden from every other person. And this woman said, look, I Observe that you must be a prophet, but my problem and being that I don't know where to worship this God because you never knew. So, what was the reason for the mess in our life? The messes in her life was a result of our indecision, was a result of our inability to find out God. And you look, a natural man cannot find out God. You see, we are going to get to the main scriptures. These are just paraphrases of scriptures. I have about four of them. And they are necessary. I take it through them. So that you can see that until you find out God for yourself, you cannot find your expression in him. And until you find your expression in him, you will inevitably live a wasted life. And if you told me that you are going to live a wasted life and after this life you won't live it again, it would have been better. But the funniest is that when you cross out of this life, you will give an account. Even me. Even me. So we must find out God. Of all our aspirations, of all we drive at, of all we aim at, we have got to find out God. So this is a woman trapped in adultery. This is a woman trapped in confusion. This is a woman trapped in, in, in uncertainty about God. She does not know. She does not know which opinion to stand for. And the Bible says in that verse that because of her and for the Samaritans, Jesus Christ had to go through Samaria. You know, if you have if you are conversant with the gospels, you see that sometimes when Jesus wants to teach morals, he makes use of the Samaritan. Look at the case of that man that was robbed. The Jews saw him, the priest saw him, but he's Samaritan. Why is Jesus Christ using the Samaritan? Because the Samaritan were epitomes of everything that was this Gospel. And Jesus Christ begin to take away the segregation. Begin to, to, to picture, to portray, to shoot out, to describe, to bring into sin a Samaritan that had not existed before. The only person that can bring out such kind of a human being is Christ Jesus. And you must find him out. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We have a lot of scriptures. So now let me move from verse third, um, from. From um 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 from seventeen, let's let's just enjoy scriptures. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said, No, oh sh- there's no time. Before this part, Jesus Christ had made her to understand, had made her understand the fact that there is a kind of water. <laughs> and that water is life. That water is the the life of God. When it gets into the soul of any man, a man does not become, it's no longer thirsty. He becomes less troubled. Because that water supplies the knowledge of God. It is the life of God in a man. So that's the, the quest of the woman. Now that leads to verse 17. And the woman said, and the woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You have well said, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands. See that woman Trapped in confusion. No wonder Jesus had to. But we begin to break off from traditions and denominationalism in order to do that which God wants to do with us, through us, by us, and for us. You've had five husbands, and one whom you now have, it's not your husband, is that in that you spoke truly, in that you spoke truly, the woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet, our fathers worship on this mountain, you Jews said that in Jerusalem is the place where we ought to worship, the woman begins to confess, that my problem is not the whole problem of husband, it's the problem that I don't have a personal work with God, the God you never knew, the God you never knew, they had this no intimacy with his father. And that's why my life is this way it is. Maybe you are that kind. You know that something is wrong about your life and you want things to be corrected, but you don't know how things can be fixed up. And you think that, okay, if you can be so religious, if you can be so devoted in the church, if you can work in certain departments, your life will be a bit better. But things have not been working out the way you wanted it, want it to work. There is a solution, there is a master. you got to find him out. Then Jesus replied. Jesus said to our woman, believe me, the eye is coming. When you were neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem, worship the Father. You worship. Now this is the the, the, the reason why I'm using this text. That is verse 22. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jew. Now one thing I want to make from this text. That it is possible to be devoted and you don't know who you are worshiping we have a lot of people like that in the church today. They sing in a choir. They are members of a church. They are so zealous. They are so morally balanced. But there is no God. They do not know. They pray, but they do not know. You worship, although, but you do not know. Maybe that describes you. But there is a way out of this. Jesus only made that woman realize that now the hour is coming and now it begins. That those who worship God have got to be in the spirit. Their spirit has to be connected and bless God. The death and resurrection of Christ did that for us. But far beyond that, uh, we, you, you have got to worship him in the truth. Which is your, your, it's not sincerity as a way, but you have to watch him according to his scope, the truth, his word, his standard, his, his prescriptions, his design. That's the foundation of this teaching. So let me ask, where are you now? Where do you live now? Are you in God? You know, everybody has a physical house where they live, where they can be found. I know you have a house, but spiritually, where is your place? Are you not homeless? Hmm. What is your address spiritually? Where can you be found? What's your background? Where can you be located? You know, in the natural, when you go to work in the morning, you come back at night, everybody knows your house, they know where you can be found. But spiritually, where can you be found? Hmm? In the natural, you cannot live without an habitat, without a home. The same way in the spirit, realm, There must be a place for your life. And that place must be in God. Now, let's see how Apostle Paul explain God to the Athenians. Hallelujah. Dear Holy Spirit, bless us through the ministry of your word. Give us inspiration in the name of Jesus. Now, John 42, sorry, John chapter 4, verse 22, as we left off, it reads, You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jew. Now, when you turn to Acts chapter 17, we are going to read from 23 to 31. There is a description of God. Apostle Paul wrote, therefore, I'm reading from 23. I'm reading the B part of 24, of, of uh, chapter 17, verse 23, the B part. It said therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing, it, never forget where we are coming from. Jesus Christ told that woman. Although you worship, you do not know what to worship. Now, we now see a similar case happen in Athens. That Paul told those guys in Athens. The look, you have been worshipping, you don't know what you worship. And the God you have not known, I have come to reveal to you. I have come to disclose that God you have not found. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I proclaim to you, God, who made the world and everything in it. I proclaim to you, God. I proclaim to you, God. So, God had to be declared. I proclaim to you, God. God had to be revealed. I proclaim to you, God. Who made the world and everything in it, since he is the Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands. Now, this is clarity. Now, this is not just a piece of information. It is a revelation of the deity of God of God's divine nature that is the God who is the creator of of the world and everything that dwells in it. Psalm 24 verse 1, the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof the world and everything that is in it. So Apostle Paul brings that scripture that, look, this God is the creator. So when we come to, when we call you to come and know the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, we are calling you to come and have a revelation about the creator. It is a rare invitation to come and know God intimately, personally, for yourself as the Creator. And let's read the scripture. The time is running out. Now, what is about this God? He does not dwell in temples made with hands. He does not live in a house. He does not live in the church. That's why you go to the church. You not know, the only place. Some people are serious spiritual. The only place they have the privilege to open their Bible is in the church. They open it in the church, and once it's closed, the say they will never open it. But don't be mixed. God does not live in the church. He wants to live in your house. And that was why I asked you, where do you live? Are you living in Him as God found an entry inside of you? Okay, I, I, I read on. Does not dwell in temples made with ants, nor is he worshiped with man's hands, as though he needed anything, since he gives life to all breed and all things. Let me read that again. I will take it. Nor is he worshiped with man's hands, as though he needed anything, since he gives to all life, breath, and all things. Why must you find out this unknown God? You must find out this unknown God because you cannot touch him. He is not a visible being. You can touch, you can handle. Apostle Paul said that he is not worshipped by men's hand. He cannot be carried abroad like we have idols carried. He, he does not need Anybody to make him God it is God all alone because he gives life, breath, and earth things to people. The next verse says that. And he made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth. He has determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their, dwelling. Now, of their dwellings. Now, let me explain some things here before we go further. You know, there are some people they feel why can't God make me a white person? I wish I've been a white person. If I've been a white person, maybe something would have be been much different now. Maybe I would not, I wouldn't have been going through through the through this kind of experience. Maybe God would have made me to be born in one inflection home. Maybe if I'm born in one inflection home, my life wouldn't have been like this. So I'm ignorant. The Bible said that it is the Lord who set boundaries. Who determines where you are found? Who determines your expression? I believe in genetics. That your physical structure is a result of the of, 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 the, of, 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 of the of your gene, of the of, of your parents' gene, your parents' DNA, your your, your parents' um, traits makes you determine your physical composition. But the fact remains that before you actually came out, before you have a physical expression, there is a predetermination of who you are, even how you look. God told Jeremiah, I said before, You were formed in the belly, I knew you. What does that tell us? That even if God knew me before the body I'm living in is formed, it simply means that I predict my body, number no? one. Not just that I predict my body, that even my body is a design. I said design, there. Yeah? Yes, affected by the genetic composition of my period, but it is a design. If the spirit that lives in a body is a predetermined reality, then the body will be be a predetermined reality. But what the Lord is drawing our attention to here is that God has appointed boundaries for all that are dwelling. I read on, so that they should seek the Lord in hope that they might grow for him and find him, though he is not far from each of us. For in him we live and move and have a being, as also some of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. Therefore, since we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature, all we've been describing is a divine nature. It cannot be touched, but it can be. It can be experienced. It's a divine nature, and this divine nature is not like gold or silver or stone, something shared by art and man's devising. Truly, these times of ignorance, God overlooked your ignorance. But now, I command all men everywhere to repent, because He had appointed a day on which He will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom He had appointed. Sorry, by the man he had ordained, he had given assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead. Now, this scripture, we can't exhaust it. You can't exhaust it. But it lays a foundation for anyone who wants to find God. That God is not leaving your church, He's not leaving your pulpit. You know, we have this generation. I've not said these things are bad. But we hope that the Lord will give us a revelation that we know that Jesus Christ does not live on your church altar. Why are you going there to pray? He lives inside of you. And, the, and look at one of the statements here. He said that God wants us to find him out. I read it. He said that he had made, the had appointed times and boundaries of their dwellings, that is of the dwellings of everybody living on earth. So that they should seek the Lord, so we can find him. Why are we living in the third world, world in, the, in the third world, or in the third nation, Africa? So that we can find God. Why are some people living in the first world nation, so that they can find God? I like one of the poems of, I forgot the name of the poet, uh, the Polly. That God had a divine strategy by which he supplies certain things and mixes up with some, some things that um, if, if the good thing does not make us to seek God, the bad one will make us to seek him. It's a divine ideology. So in God's mind, God wants to be sought. Because he's a personality, he's not a doll. Okay, it's that so that man can seek the Lord, now watch the word of the Lord, the owner of all things, the creator, not just a powerful being that is to be worship, so that you can find your source because the Lord is the owner, so that they can seek their own source. And that's why Apostle Paul said that in him you have your being, he's telling you about your source. Now, why must you come to know God? It's not because you want to worship him. It's not, so that, it's not so that you can be religious. It's not so that your pastors or your people can see you to be a Christian or can have a kind of identification for you. But so that you will know that you have found him or from whom you came. Because Apostle Paul said that, so that Apostle Paul said here, that he had appointed times, he had appointed boundaries, he created continents and countries and states and regions and gave us different locations so that from wherever we, we are, wherever we find ourselves, we can find a common ground to seek the owner of all things which is the Lord, in hope that they may might grow for him and finding though he is not far from each one of us. Now, one thought became clear from the scripture, that God is not far from you. And I'm going to show you as I round off here, that the God you have been looking for is close by. You don't need to get out of your table, out of your chair, or wherever you are listening to, from wherever you are listening to. You don't need to move from that particular location to another, in order to lay hold on God. Apostle Paul if Romans chapter 10 tells us that no one no one needs to go to the hell to bring Jesus Christ from the grave, or no one needs to go to the heaven to bring Him down again. He said the word is near you, the word of faith which is in your mouth. If thou believe in the earth, the Lord Jesus, and you confess that God has risen from uh, that God has risen from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with an earth, man believes on the righteousness, for with the earth, confession is made unto salvation. So how do I come into God? I come into God by believing. By faith. Romans chapter 3, Romans chapter 4, Romans chapter 5, Romans chapter 6 explains this fact. Faith in the Lord Jesus. He is not far from you. The God you don't know I declare to you. He does not live in a temple. He is not sat by human hands. He is not um, uh, an an idol or or, or a statue. He He is a divine nature. A divine reality. He is the Lord. He is the owner of all things. And he had made Christ to be the head of all things. So in finding out God, you've got to find out Christ. First, uh, sorry, John chapter 14. Christ told Philip, said, have I been with you? I have not seen the Father. Whoever has seen me, I have seen the Father. Because I'm the Father, I'm in the Father, and the Father is in me. In you know other words, in finding out God, I have got to find out Christ. And Christ is the Savior. That's what you have to find out about them first. Ephesians chapter 4, I think verse 11 says that he has given some pastors, some apostles, some teachers, some evangelists for the work of the ministry, for the perfecting of the saints, till till we all come to the knowledge of the Son of God, to the experiential knowledge, to epignosis, which means the experiential knowledge. Also, we can even say to come to the consciousness or to the awareness. Of who Jesus Christ is. And one of the things you have to find out about Christ. Amongst so many things he is. Is that he is a savior. That's what concerns you the most. And that's, just the, that's the beginning of your adventure. Hallelujah. You know that they might find him. Because he's not far. From them. He's not far. From them. Why must you find him? He said, because you are his offspring. You came from him. You didn't exist apart from him. Hallelujah. You didn't exist apart from him. So you must find him out. In Matthew chapter 16, 13 to 19, Jesus Christ in Caesarea Philippi, asks his disciples, who do men say that I am? And I'm asking this question, who do you say Jesus Christ is? Is your opinion, revelation, conception, prenotions, assumptions about Christ still based on what people are saying or what you are find out? There's a scripture that is swinging. Okay, yes, 1 John chapter 4. John said, we have received and we have believed the love of God. And this is the love of God, that Christ died for us. That should be your experience. That you have come to know, to believe and to receive the love. And that's how to know. So everybody was submitting opinion. Some say you are Elijah, some say you are one of the prophets. Then Jesus Christ asked a personal question. Said, who do you say I have? Who do you say, I am? And out of revelation, Peter said, you are the son of God. What was Jesus' reply? His reply was that the father revealed this to you. What does that tell us? There is a knowledge of Jesus that we beat from people. I said that earlier. And there is the one that God only reveals. Revelation and knowledge of the son of God. Apostle Paul prayed in Ephesians, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17. He said, The eyes of understanding in the light that you may know the purpose of his calling. That we give the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God. Check that. The spirit of wisdom. How to, to know him by the spirit of wisdom, by the Holy Ghost. Um, you, may, you may know him. The spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge. There's a revelation and knowledge. Revelation that is to, to, to be exposed to, to be opened to, to be revealed, to be made to see that which have not been seen about this Son of God. You will receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And what does that say the Holy Ghost? So you need the Holy Ghost to know Christ. Do you want to know Jesus Christ? John chapter 16. John chapter 15. John chapter... 14, John chapter 16, Jesus Christ mentions that when the Holy Ghost comes, he's going to take that which is of him and reveal it to us. In other words, the Holy Ghost is not just the one that we receive and we are shaking, and we are blessing in tongues, and we are screaming, and we are worshiping, and we are crying. Amongst all these activities that are evidence, presence of the Holy Ghost, he must reveal the Son to us. Because Jesus said he will take things of the Father and reveal them to you. Revelation and knowledge. Revelation and knowledge. So Apostle Paul told the Athenians that the name will live. And have been? That is, my genetic composition is coded in him. My expression was encoded and perfected in him. In him I live, that is my life is containing him. Everything about him, everything about me are so intermingled that they are inseparable. In him I live, in him I live and have my functionality. In other words, God is the dictator of my life. He determines how I live, how I act, how I I talk, my attributes, how I relate, how I respond, how I react, my values, my priorities. In him I live, Apostle Paul wrote. He told us, Athenians, that in him you live. 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 And outside of him, you don't live. In other words, to live outside of him is not to live at all. It means death. So to live actually is to live in him. And when we live in him, you become yourself because in name you live and have your being in other words my being comes into reality because I find my way in him my knowledge of God find a fruitful is fruitful or, um, or there's fruitfulness in it when I find my way in him I become myself I have my being because my life reality is found in him. When I live outside of him, I don't have my being. I don't have myself. Other things have me. So many things control me when I live outside of him. But when I live inside of him, he, he runs my life like a software. He becomes the software that runs me. If I live outside of him, I am living outside the genetic codes that encoded me, that decide and the time is my functionality here on earth. So if I live outside of him, I will miss my track, I will miss my purpose, I will miss my way, I will miss my uniqueness, I will miss my real self, my being. In him I live. You know, in that portion of scriptures we read in Acts chapter 17, Apostle Paul made us understand that he is not also far from us. Because we are his offsprings. Hallelujah. I am not the source of myself. Then if I am not, I don't cater for myself. Now let me draw your attention to something. You know, the Holy Ghost has been showing me that scriptures over and over. The fact that Christ had done all he did for us. But we may choose to walk away from it. In Jeremiah chapter 1, God told Jeremiah, Before I formed you in the belly, before you came out physically, I have made you live. In other words, your existence predicts your body. And your existence will continue after your body's long rotting. that's not just the only fact i want to confront you with as we begin to round off i want to also put true to you another thought that because in him we live and because god foreknew us because he predestinated us and the reason why He predestinated us so that we can find never forget the words of that scripture that he made all to dwell on earth. He made all of one blood and He made us to dwell in different boundaries. He gave us time to live. That is, we live in different different dispensations so that we can find our expression in Him. By implication, if my life was planned, then I know with all conviction that nothing can serve as a threat to my life. Even if the economy is going bad. Because God had planned me, completed my life before I started it. But it is something that is needed for me. If I'm living in Him and I, I want to be of Him, then I have to acknowledge Him. I have to seek Him on a daily basis. I have to learn to to, to relate to them, to develop an intimacy with them. Because until I do this, I will never find my being. I will never find my being. Never will I find it. Never will I find it. Never will I find it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God has something in store for you. Why? Because before I emerge, my destiny has been settled. I am living a completed life. Okay, my life was completed. There is a script that was written about me before I appear. Yeah, hallelujah! And that script has encoded my life, encoded my experiences, encoded my encounters. What makes me, or what positions me, to, to feature that content of that script is myself finding my entrance. Why must they come into him? But be, be, because, as Apostle Peter put it, we are all sheep going astray. But now, because of the grace of God, because of the death of Jesus, we are now heading back to the shepherd of our white souls. So there's a script about my life. That script was completed before I came on board. So when I came on board, I came to live the dictates and the content of that script. The Bible talks about about Jesus Christ. I think that should be Psalm chapter 40. He said that, no, it is written of me in the volume of the book. Thy will, O Lord, will I do. Sacrifice and go, that would not, but a body that made me. In other words, my body is, is made to, to be a channel through which my spirit and its essence find expression. In the volume of the book, there's a script about my life. That script was completed before I appeared here. No wonder each time Matthew writes his gospel, he would make mention of Jesus' art, and he would say that art is as a result of what. Have been spoken a script for your life. There is a script. But the only way you can unravel the content of that script to find your way in him is to find God. We are still on that at chapter 17. Just try to look at just trying to look at the implication of what Apostle Paul meant when he said in him you live. This God is not far from you. He wants you to repent. Why? Because He's going to judge the world. So, God's law for us, God's salvation plan, is is, is a device to make us escape God's wrath. Romans chapter 1. The Bible says, because of this ungodliness, the wrath of God is going to be poured out. But we are saved from that wrath because we are faith in the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. There's a script for your life. And you have to live by that script. Nothing should affect that script. So for you to live in the entirety of that script, you must be in him. And until you come into him, you can't have your being, you can't play out the content of that script. That's the implication. What is in him? John chapter 1 says, in him is life, and the life is the light of man, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot comprehend it. What does that tell you? It tells you that in him you have life, and when you are in him, in other words, you become of him, that is, you belong to him. You can't be of him, or you, you find yourself in him, and you can't be in him without becoming of him. And until you become of him He can't deal with you Because he must have an ownership of you That was why Apostle Paul said That he is the Lord By implication By implication If I live in him Sicknesses and diseases Should not threaten me should not attack my body. Poverty body should not attack my body. Because I am in him. If the sickness can get into him, then it will get into me. But if the sickness cannot get into him, then it cannot get at me. You know, I don't owe my life. My life is in him. It was completed before it started. But then there is a condition for the fulfillment of the life. It must be in him. That's the condition. In him. Why must it be in him? Because I am his offspring. That is, I don't exist apart from him. I am his offshoot. I am his offspring. I came out of him. I'm begotten of him. I have the same trait in him. His DNA is my DNA composition. I don't break away from him out of rebellion. But I am an offshoot, an offspring, a, 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 a divergence of him to express his very intangible essence. Romans chapter 1. His invisible attributes are clearly seen by the things that are seen. I am a seen reality. So as a seen reality, my life to be an expression. As finished as I am... I am a completeness of God. I mean, I am a complete demonstration of Him. I am complete in Him. The Scripture says. So, do you want to live in Him? Do you want to know Him? He's not far from you. He's so near that you don't need to take a step forward or further to be placed name. You can find Him. You can find Him right away in your chair. You can take away you your own problem by yourself how? get into him get into him first who is this him? he's a creator what used to be an anonymous God, the God you never knew then you see, he's not an absentee God in your life, he had always been there, but you've not observed him but now this is God men do not know him but he is there Although you cannot see him physically, but when he comes into your life, he does not come in quietly. You will sense the weight of his presence. He is so weighty, he can't be unnoticed when he stepped into your heart. Or when he stepped into your business or your marriage or whatever you want him to step into. Although he may even come in quietly, but he won't uh, stick in sneak 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 that's the that's the correct pronunciation sneak in if you don't want him why because you gave him your life if you wanted it i mean you will not come in until you give him your life so until you or until you 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 give your life to him you will not Overrule it Dear friend, yes, God. Your days of confession on hover. How do you know Him? You see how Paul explained Him. He's not far from you. How do you get into Him? Romans chapter 10. Believe in your heart that He's your Savior. Okay, let me round off by showing the scripture more. Romans chapter 3. It's one of my favorite scriptures. How does God intend that we come into Christ? Let's see Romans chapter 3. Verse 21. What the Lord is telling us here is that we don't merit God. Because anyone that we have got must have a requirement and that requirement is called righteousness. The divine nature. Like Apostle Paul wrote in Acts chapter 17 that this divine nature, all I have described to is a divine nature. And that divine nature is called righteousness. No human has it. Because all our righteousness is like a, is like a rag. And in fact, as a matter of fact, no one does Righteousness. We can't attain it by our own efforts. But Christ did this. Now I read from verse 21. See what Christ has done for us and why we need him. But now the righteousness of God apart from the Lord is revealed. Being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, through faith in Jesus Christ, to all and all who believe, for there is no difference. For all have seen and short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a property agent by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, God has passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness that we might be just, that he might be just and justified of those who have faith in Jesus. So how do you know him? How do you come into him? Faith in Jesus. Faith in Jesus. And by the faith in Jesus to receive God's nature. The one this is done by you, that's how to know God. That's the beginning. Then your affection afterwards must begin to be that you submit to the leadership of the Holy Ghost. Must be that like you need food to sustain for your daily life, like you need water. To live your daily life. You will need the presence of God. And since these are intangible realities, like we read from Acts chapter 17, that they cannot be seen, they cannot be touched, they are divine nature, then it would mean that you have got to learn how to pray. What is prayer? Talking to God. Yet you cannot pray without the Word of God. Because it's the Word of God that tells you how and what to pray. So to actually come to the place of prayer, you have got to come to the place when you know the word of God. So fourth thing is very vital in your walk with God and in advancing your knowledge in God. Number one is daily dependence on the Holy Ghost. Yeah, you say Holy Ghost, come into my life. Lead me, fill me up. Let me walk in the Spirit. Let me live in the Spirit. Number two, you've got to develop an interest for the word of God. I would advise you to start from the book of Matthew. Sorry, the book of John. Anywhere from Scripture. But I prefer the book of John. Because it tells you more about what Jesus Christ has in store for you. And it reveals the mind of the Father to you. Number three, you have got to learn to worship God. Although your, your, your worship becomes better before. As the Holy Ghost throws the light of God's revelation into your spirit. And as be begin to discover yourself in, in the revelation of the word of God. And number four is meditation. If you do these four things. Not in a church will. That you come to God and say, God, fill me up. God, show me your way. Show me your way. Open my heart to see your word. And you will go at the word of God to read it. And occasionally you will fast in find out God. I tell you, in a little while, you are going to find out God. Hallelujah. Now let us pray. Dear Jesus, we bless you. It's a nice thing sitting at your presence. The Bible says, unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly, more than what we think or ask. Thank you for your divine reality. Thank you for your faith in the Lord Jesus. Thank you for redemption. We give you all the praise. We give you all the praise. Thank you because of your knowledge of you thank you for the revelation of you father we pray that you open our eyes to see you more create an hunger desire after you lay your hands upon us make us channels through which you will bring others to your reality in the name of Jesus that this God that is unknown in the world will be revealed by us that will be a tool in your hands and will reconcile men to you thank you because this is given to us because of jesus in jesus mighty name we've demanded all this amen hallelujah thank you god bless you thank you father Lord, we have come before you. Open our hearts to your word. Expose us to the weightier matters. Jesus Christ rebuked those men of his days. He said, you tithe might and Even the minute. But you left the weightier matters. Of the kingdom. In other words, there are are serious issues. Essential issues in the gospel. Lord, open our eyes to see them. Because until we see them, we will not see what matters to you. We will not see the attachment and the value placed on certain things. Oh, God, help us. Issues as truth. Issues on the matter of grace, on the matter of justice, on the matter of faithfulness. In everything, in our stewardship, in our assignment, Jesus help us. Jesus help us. Holy Ghost help us. Help us to see. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Alright, now this time around we want to look at a very simple subject the Lord had laid on my heart for some times now. And I've titled it, um, The God You You Never Knew. You know, I have a book I wrote, um, I titled The Jesus You Never Knew. Alright, I'm not even preaching from the context of the book but yesterday as I was on my table um, and, and, and I was studying the Lord dropped some things in my heart again um, actually it was um, a portion of scriptures uh, from chapter 17 and it was uh, Apostle Paul's experience in the Athens and then he was preaching to the Athenians and he told the Athenians, look, you've known a lot of gods, and yet there seems to be this um, um, lack of satisfaction as though you have not touched the substance, and really you've not touched it and you have a lot of altars for deities and you have one in particular for an unknown God and this God you did not know have come to discuss with you, hallelujah maybe you are that type you've been looking after God, there is a crave on your inside, you, you've been hungry after God but you don't actually know how to lay hold on Him, you know we have Christians who have been pretty long in the church, they cannot pray Say a prayer book they can't, they can't talk to the Father you know, two things has always fascinated me in the Christian faith. Two things of all. It's not even the Holy Ghost. Two things fascinated me the most. One of them is our acceptance. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4. No, verse 6. He said that he has made us accepted in the beloved. My acceptance. Just as I have. You know, you don't need to be a better person to know God. Glory be to God forevermore. Just as you are. Just as you are. Just as you are, you can come to know the Father. Hallelujah. And the second thing that has fascinated me so much is a oneness with the Father. John chapter 14. The Bible says that in that day, you will know that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. And that you are in all that the Father may be glorified in Christ. In other words, Christ did not just bring me into God to be a slave to God. No, 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 no. He had brought me and made me word, with God. I like the word monogeny, which means I'm begotten of God. It's necessary I mention that because Apostle Paul made us understand that we are God's offspring. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. The God you never knew. And here this morning, I feel the Holy Ghost wants us to know that the only place we can Have the essence of life, fulfilled The only place we can actually have our being Is in God. Apostle Paul Recite the, the, the lines of the poem To them in Athens. In your own poem You wrote that in him You live and have Your being. What does that mean? That everybody is composed In God. Our DNA structure Is composed in God. In other words My life is designed to function Only in God and not outside of him, and when I sat outside of him, I couldn't do anything, I wouldn't be able to amount to anything. First uh, John chapter 15, verse 1. Amen. Um you 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 will bear fruit, and without me you can't do anything. That's the paraphrase of scriptures. I am the branch, I am the value of the branches. A tree that abides in me, I will prune, and without me you can't do anything. But what I want to present to you is, is the God you have not known. Maybe I've been seeking to know God as a task on the inside of you. Maybe you feel that this gospel of a thing is a, is a gimmick. Maybe this past not, you know, you know, things have been so bastardized and that has turned the devil to pollute the mind of people to believe that the gospel is not real. That's a lie of the devil. And that's why God did not make this gospel to be something that you will practice by the. Strict leadership of your pastors. Your pastors are to guide you into God's scheme or scope of things. But primarily, God's greatest objective is to relate with you as an individual. Glory be to God forevermore. Hallelujah forevermore. The God you never knew. Actually, I have about four scriptures to look at. But let me start properly by asking you a very simple question. What do you know about God? You know, we think about many things, but we don't think about God. We think about finances, we think about our um, fiance, rather. we think about our, um, our career, we think about um, our businesses, we think about our relationship, we think about um, our influence on people, we think about so many things, but we have never thought of God. We've never tried to, eval- try to evaluate ourselves, our positioning, our standing, our alignment. What have you got to know about God? Because if you don't know where you are, you cannot climb further. Now, a man that has not realized his wretchedness can never, can never progress. At least if you want to move from this up. Now, we are talking about the God you never knew. But maybe we can begin to assess what you have known about God. Maybe if by the grace of God you are able to estimate, in fact, even motivational speakers, if they want to take you from your state, maybe your financial state, they will tell you to take stock of where you are. And see the strength available to you to pick from where you are to where you should be. So, in, in, in that sense, in that sense, let's take a stock of your life. Your knowledge of God, your exposure in God, your culture in God, your tradition in God, what you have been exposed to. Maybe you were born in the church, you've been going to church, you, you can recite certain portions of scripture. You know, The most difficult people to minister Jesus Christ to are people who, can, who understand certain things about the church you know i think i was on evangelism sometimes i don't know and i was trying to speak okay yes i have the picture clearly i was ministering in jesus christ the guy told me i'm a member of a, of a particular denomination he mentioned the popular denomination i said okay that is good and as we got talking somebody passed and he said Abolo de something like that and he just told me he's a member of the board this guy does not understand so what do you know about god Apostle Paul told the Athenians, You've got to know a lot of things about God. And you do know Plato had lived here, Aristotle too had lived there, Socrates had traveled there, great philosophers. I've traveled in, in, in this region. I know knowledge is, is, is puffing everywhere. But what have you got to know about God? In other words, they know so many things about deities, but there is a God they left unknown. Maybe you have that kind of God. So you don't know. We are going to see a lot of scriptures. And one of the climbers of our thoughts here is on the fact, a single fact, that you can't access God until you come into him. Hallelujah. Now, let me start this way. As we seek to provide an answer to the question, what do you know about God? I will say that there are two sources of spiritual knowledge. Two sources of spiritual knowledge. The knowledge you carried as a result of what you've had in the past, like I'm talking to you now. And I think we have more of that knowledge. Some people know some things about God. All I've known about God, I got from somebody. Maybe from the Sunday school. Or from the children's church when I was a little boy. The knowledge I carry. So we have a kind of spiritual knowledge that came as a result of what I've listened to. What I've heard people say. What I've heard my preacher preach to me. And that's very popular. But there's another one which is very vital. It is the knowledge... You came into by your personal contact. And the scripture is filled with distances. Should I mention John chapter 4? We are going to see in details later. About people who heard something about God, about Jesus Christ as a result of what they've heard. And as time went by, they got to know him by themselves. Or should I I talk about uh, Matthew chapter 16 when Jesus Christ asked the disciples what they think about him. And Peter would tell them uh, that he's the son of God. But before then, Jesus Christ asked them what had men said. In other words, what have they known about him from what men have said. So there is such knowledge that is basically based on what people have said. And you see a lot of Christians. You know, the other day I'm chatting up and then I made a statement. Namely, I, I, I said, a particular guy is a child of God. is a, 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 a prominent figure. And there was an argument over it. I know it can't be a child of God. I said, how do you mean? We are saved by the merit of Christ. We are saved at the expense of Christ. We are saved by the life of Christ. So you don't say somebody's not a child of God because you see him act certain way. No, 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 no. Then I ask them, what does it mean to be born again? And they begin to mention things. None of those things they said are with the Scriptures. And yet, as I would take them through the Scriptures, like Apostle Paul would do, as I would reason with them through the Scriptures, they wouldn't want to accept. Hallelujah. 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 We must understand that there is a kind of spiritual knowledge that we cannot learn in school. We cannot learn in the Sunday school. The pastor cannot give it to us. It is a revealed knowledge. Hallelujah. First Corinthians chapter 15, Apostle Paul tells us that he, the gospel was preached to him. He learned that Christ died, the land that Christ resurrected, the land that Christ was buried according to the scriptures. But in verse 5, he told us that he also had a personal encounter. He said, I saw him too. Two sources of spiritual knowledge. So what's the own source? Your brags and claim about God. What is the source? So what somebody told you? Or what God revealed to you? And what actually matters is not what somebody told you, is what God revealed to you. However, your knowledge can begin from what somebody begins to tell you about God. But you've got to take it further and begin to find a place. Begin to personalize that which is told you. I read from John chapter 4, verse 39 to 42. Jesus Christ went through Samaria. He had to break free from segregation. He had to break free from discrimination. Because ordinarily, he should have done everything possible to, have, to, to, avo, um, to avoid that region. Because the Samaritans and the Jews had nothing in common. Because of apostasy. And the sin of adultery. Because of the contamination. That happened several years ago, about eight hundred years before Jesus came. Before Jesus Christ came on board. But verse one, chapter four of John, verse one says: Therefore, when the Lord took, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus Himself did not baptize, but His disciples verse 3, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee but he needed, mark the words verse 4, but he needed to go through Samaria he could have gone through other means but he had to break the protocol because there is a lady in that corridor that does not understand God he never knew God she was in confusion besides the fact that her, her personal life is not gathered she was a divorcee, she was an Adulteress, she had been sleeping with men. How did, how did I know? Jesus Christ told us that she had had men who had been her husband. And the one she was sleeping with is not even her husband. She was not only estranged. She was sleeping around. Her life was a mess. But the bottom line of her problem was because she never knew God how did I know because she said it she asked Jesus look I've got to know that you are a prophet I found out that you've revealed to me what nobody had known about my life you know, the woman is so perfect in the way she coordinates her life that few people knew things about her or knew her life and if I all anybody knows about her life are those who are close to her but this is a foreigner she had never met she had never seen and then they that they met at the Jacob's well. and this man will unravel to her the which is hidden from every other person and this woman said look I observe that you must be a prophet but my problem and being that I don't know where to worship this God because you never knew so what was the reason for the mess in her life the messes in our life was a result of our indecision was a result of our inability to find out God and you look a natural man cannot find out God you see we are going to get to the main scriptures these are just paraphrases of scriptures. I have about four of them. And they are necessary. I take it through them so that you can see that until you find out God for yourself, you cannot find your expression in Him. And until you find your expression in Him, you will inevitably live a wasted life. And if you told me that you are going to live a wasted life and after this life you won't live it again, it would have been better. But the funniest is that when you cross out of this life, you will give an account. Even me. Even me. So we must find out God. Of all our aspirations, of all we drive at, of all we aim at, we have got to find out God. So this is a woman trapped in adultery. This is a woman trapped in confusion. This is a woman trapped in, in, in uncertainty about God. She does not know. She does not know which opinion to stand for. And the Bible says in that verse that because of her, and for the Samaritans, Jesus Christ had to go through Samaria. You know, if you have if you are conversant with the gospels, you see that sometimes when Jesus wants to teach morals, he makes use of the Samaritan. Look at the case of that man that was robbed. The Jews saw him, the priest saw him, but he's Samaritan. Why is Jesus Christ using the Samaritan? Because the Samaritan were epitomes of everything that was this Gospel And Jesus Christ begin to take away the segregation. Begin to, to, to picture, to portrait, to shoot out, to describe, to bring into sin a Samaritan that had not existed before. The only person that can bring out such kind of a human being is Christ Jesus. And you must find him out. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We have a lot of scriptures. So now let me move from verse 3. Um, from from, um, 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 from 17th. Let's, let's just enjoy scriptures. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said, no, oh sh- there's no time. Before this part, Jesus Christ had made her to understand, had made her understand the fact that there is a kind of water <laughs> and that water is life. That water is the, is the life of God. That when it gets into the soul of any man, a man does not become, it's no longer tested. He becomes less troubled. Because that water supplies the knowledge of God. It is the life of God in a man. So that's the, oh, the quest of the woman. Now that leads to verse 17. And the woman said, and the woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You have well said. I have no husband, for you have had five husbands. See that woman, trapped in confusion. No wonder Jesus had to. When we begin to break off from traditions and denominationalism in order to do that which God wants to do, with us, through us, by us, and for us. You've had five husbands, and one whom you now. Ah, it's not your husband. Is that in that you spoke truly. In that you spoke truly. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worship on this mountain. You Jews said that in Jerusalem is the place where we ought to worship. The woman begins to confess that my problem is not the whole problem of husband. It's the problem that I don't have a personal walk with God. The God you never knew. The God you never knew. They had this intimacy with his father. And that's why my life is this way it is. Maybe you are that kind. You know that something is wrong about your life and you want things to be corrected, but you don't know how things can be filled up. And you think that, okay, if you can be so religious, if you can be so devoted in the church, if you can work in certain departments, your life will be a bit better. But things have not been working out the way you wanted it, want it to work. There is a solution, there is a master. You've got to find him out. Then Jesus replied. Jesus said to our woman, believe me, the eye is coming. When you were neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem, worship the Father. You worship. Now this is the, 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 the reason why I'm using this text. That is verse 22. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jew. Now one thing I want to make from this text. That it is possible to be devoted and you don't know who you are worshiping. We have a lot of people like that in the church today. They sing in a the choir. They are members of a church. They are so zealous. They are so morally balanced. But there is no God. They do not know. They pray, but they do not know. You worship, although, but you do not know. Maybe that describes you. But there is a way out of this. Jesus only made that woman realize that now the hour is coming and now it begins. That those who worship God have got to be in the spirit. Their spirit has to be connected and bless God. The death and resurrection of Christ did that for us. But far beyond that, uh, we, you, you have got to worship him in the truth. Which is your, your, it's not sincerity as a way, but you have to watch him according to his scope, the truth, his word, his standard, his, his prescriptions, his design. That's the foundation of this teaching. So let me ask, where are you now? Where do you live now? Are you in God? You know, everybody has a physical house where they live, where they can be found. I know you have a house, but spiritually, where is your place? Are you not homeless? Hmm. What is your address spiritually? Where can you be found? What's your background? Where can you be located? You know, in the natural, when you go to work in the morning, you come back at night, everybody knows your house, they know where you can be found. But spiritually, where can you be found? Hmm? In the natural, you cannot live without an habitat, without a home. The same way in the spirit, realm, right? There must be a place for your life. And that place must be in God. Now, let's see how Apostle Paul explain God to the Athenians. Hallelujah. Dear Holy Spirit, bless us through the ministry of your word. Give us inspiration in the name of Jesus. Now, John 42, sorry, John chapter 4, verse 22, as we left off, it reads, You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jew. Now, when you turn to Acts chapter 17, we are going to read from 23 to 31. There is a description of God. Apostle Paul wrote, Therefore, I'm reading from 23, I'm reading the B part of 24, of, of uh, chapter 17, verse 23, the B part. See, said, Therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing, never forget where we are coming from. Jesus Christ told that woman, Although you worship... You do not know what to worship. Now, we now see a similar case happen in Athens. That Paul told those guys in Athens, The look you have been worshiping, you don't know what to worship, and the God you have not known, I have come to reveal to you. I have come to disclose that God you've not found. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I proclaim to you God. Who made the world and everything in it. I proclaim to you God. I proclaim to you God. So God had to be declared. I proclaim to you God. God has to be revealed. I proclaim to you God. Who made the world and everything in it, since he is the Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands. Now, this is clarity. Now, this is not just a piece of information. It is a revelation of the deity of God. Of God's divine nature That he is the God who is the creator of, of the world and everything that dwells in it. Psalm 24 verse 1: The earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. The world and everything that is in it. So Apostle Paul bring that scripture that look, this God is the creator. So when we come to, when we call you to come and know the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, we are calling you to come and have a revelation about the Creator. It is a rare invitation to come and know God intimately, personally, for yourself as the Creator. Let's read the scripture. The time is running out. Now, what is about this God? He does not dwell in temples made with hands, He does not live in a house, He does not live in the church. That's why you go to church. No, the only place some people are serious spiritual. the only place they have the privilege to open their Bible is in the church. They open it in the church, and once it's closed, the say they will never open it. But don't be mixed. God does not live in the church. He wants to live in your house. And as I ask you, where do you live? Are you living in Him as God found an entry inside of you? Okay, I, I, I read on. Does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he worshiped with man's hands, as though he needed anything, since he gives life to all breed and all things. Let me read that again. I will take it. Nor is he worshiped with man's hands, as though he needed anything, since he gives to all life, breath, and all things. Why must you find out this unknown God? You must find out this unknown God because you cannot touch him. He is not a visible being. You can touch, you can handle. Apostle Paul said that he is not worshipped by men's hand. He cannot be carried abroad like we have idols carried. He, he does not need Anybody to make him God is God all alone because he gives life, breath, and earth things to people. The next verse says that, and he made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth. He has determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their dwelling. Now, of their dwellings. Now, let me explain something here before we go further. You know, there are some people, they feel, why can't God make me a white person? I wish I've been a white person. If I've been a white person, maybe something would be much different now. Maybe I, would not, I wouldn't have been going through, through, the, through this kind of experience. Maybe God would have made me to be born in one inflection home. Maybe if I'm born in one inflection home, my life wouldn't have been like this. So i ignore The Bible said that he is the Lord who sets boundaries. Who determines where you are found. Who determines your expression. I believe in genetics that your physical structure is a result of the of of, of the of of, of the of your gene of of, of your parent's gene your parent's DNA your your, your parent's um, traits makes you determine your physical composition but the fact remains that before you actually came out before you have a physical expression there is a predetermination of who you are even how you look God told Jeremiah, I said before, You were formed in the belly, I knew you. What does that tell us? That even if God knew me before the body I'm living in is formed, it simply means that I predict my body, number no? one. Not just that I predict my body, that even my body is a design. I said design there. Yeah? Yes, affected by the genetic composition of my period, but it is a design. If the spirit that lives in a body is a predetermined reality, then the body will be be a predetermined reality. But what the Lord is drawing our attention to here is that God has appointed boundaries for all that are dwelling. I read on, so that they should seek the Lord in hope that they might grow for him and find him, though he is not far from each of us. For in him we live and move and have a being, as also some of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. Therefore, since we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature, all we've been describing is a divine nature. It cannot be touched, but it can be It can be experienced. It's a divine nature. And this divine nature is not like gold or silver or stone, something shared by art and man's devising. Truly, these times of ignorance, God overlooked your ignorance. But now, I command all men everywhere to repent, because he had appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he had appointed. Sorry, by the man he had ordained, he had given assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead. Now, this scripture, we can't exhaust it. We can't exhaust it. But it lays a foundation for anyone who wants to find God. That God is not leaving your church, it's not leaving your pulpit. You know, we have this generation. I've not said these things are bad. But we hope that the Lord will give us a revelation that we know that Jesus Christ does not live on your church altar. Why are you going there to pray? He lives inside of you. And, the, and look at one of the statements here. He said that God wants us to find him out. I read it. He said that he had made, the had appointed times and boundaries of their dwellings, that is of the dwellings of everybody living on earth, so that they should seek the Lord so we can find him. Why are we living in the third world war, in, the, in the third world or in the third nation Africa? So that we can find God. Why are some people living in the first world nation so that they can find God? I like one of the poems of I forgot the name of the poet, uh, the pulley. That God had a divine strategy by which he supplies certain things and mixes up with some, some things that um, if, if the good thing does not make us to seek God, the bad one will make us to seek him. It's a divine ideology. So in God's mind, God wants to be sought. Because he's a personality, he's not a doll. Okay, it's that so that man can seek the Lord, now watch the word of the Lord, the owner of all things, the Creator, not just a powerful being that is to be worshipped, so that you can find your source because the Lord is the owner, so that they can seek their own source. And that's why the Apostle Paul said that in him you have your being, he's telling you about your source. Now, why must you come to know God? It's not because you want to worship him. It's not, so that, it's not so that you can be religious. It's not so that your pastors or your people can see you to be a Christian or can have a kind of identification for you. But so that you will know that you have found him or from whom you came. Because Apostle Paul said that that he had appointed times, he had appointed boundaries, he created continents and countries and states and regions and gave us different locations so that from wherever we we are, wherever we find ourselves, we can find a common ground to seek the owner of all things, which is the Lord, in hope that they might grope for him and find him though he is not far from each one of us. Now, one thought became clear from the scripture, that God is not far from you. And I'm going to show you as I round off here, that the God you have been looking for is close by. You don't need to get out of your table, out of your chair, or wherever you are listening to, from wherever you are listening to. You don't need to move from that particular location to another, in order to lay hold on God. Apostle Paul if Romans chapter 10 tells us that no one no one needs to go to the hell to bring Jesus Christ from the grave, or no one needs to go to the heaven to bring him down again. He said the word is near you, the word of faith which is in your mouth. If thou believe in the earth, the Lord Jesus, and you confess that God has risen from uh, that God has risen from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with an earth, man believes on the righteousness, for with the earth, confession is made unto salvation. So how do I come into God? I come into God by believing. By faith. Romans chapter 3, Romans chapter 4, Romans chapter 5, Romans chapter 6 explains this fact. Faith in the Lord Jesus. He is not far from you. The God you don't know I declare to you. He does not live in a temple. He is not served by human hands. He is not um, uh, an, an idol or, or, or a statue. He is a, he is a divine nature. A divine reality. He is the Lord. He is the owner of all things. And he had made Christ to be the Head of all things. So in finding out God, you've got to find out Christ. First, uh, sorry, John chapter 14. Christ told Philip, said, have I been with you? I have not seen the Father. Whoever has seen me, I have seen the Father. Because I'm the Father, I'm in the Father, and the Father is in me. In other words, in finding out God, I have got to find out Christ. And Christ is the Savior. That's what you have to find out about him first. Ephesians chapter four. I think verse eleven says that he has given some pastors, some apostles, some teachers, some evangelists for the work of the ministry, for the perfecting of the saint, till, for the of the saints, till we all come to the knowledge of the Son of God, to the experiential knowledge, to epignosis, which means the experiential knowledge, also we can even say to come to the consciousness or to the awareness of who jesus christ is and one of the things you have to find out about christ amongst so many things he is is that he is a savior that's what concerns you the most and that's just the that's the beginning of your adventure hallelujah you know that they might find him because he's not far from them he's not far from them why must you find him He said, because you are his offspring. You came from him. You didn't exist apart from him. Hallelujah. You didn't exist apart from him. So you must find him out. In Matthew chapter 16, 13 to 19, Jesus Christ in Caesarea Philippi, asks the disciples, who do men say that I am? And I'm asking this question, who do you say Jesus Christ is? Is your opinion, revelation, conception, prenotions, assumptions about Christ still based on what people are saying or what you are find out? There's a scripture that is swinging. Okay, yes, 1 John chapter 4. John said, we have received and we have believed the love of God. And this is the love of God, that Christ died for us. That should be your experience. That you have come to know, to believe and to receive the love. And that's how to know. So everybody was submitting opinion. Some say you are Elijah, some say you are one of the prophets. Then Jesus Christ asked a personal question. They who do you say I have? Who do you say, I am? And out of revelation, Peter said, you are the son of God. What was Jesus' reply? His reply was that the father revealed this to you. What does that tell us? There is a knowledge of Jesus that we beat from people. I said that earlier. And there is the one that God only reveals. Revelation and knowledge of the son of God. Apostle Paul prayed in, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17. He said, The eyes of understanding in the light that you may know the purpose of his calling. That we give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God. Check that. The spirit of wisdom. How to, to know him by the spirit of wisdom, by the Holy Ghost. Um, you, may, you may know him. The spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge. There's a revelation and knowledge. Revelation that is to, to, to be exposed to, to be opened to, to be revealed, to be made to see that which have not been seen about this Son of God. You will receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And what does that mean the Holy Ghost? So you need the Holy Ghost to know Christ. Do you want to know Jesus Christ? John chapter 16. John chapter 15. John chapter... 14, John chapter 16, Jesus Christ mentions that when the Holy Ghost comes, he's going to take that which is of him and reveal it to us. In other words, the Holy Ghost is not just the one that we receive and we are shaking, and we are blasting in tongues, and we are screaming, and we are worshiping, and we are crying. Amongst all these activities that are evidence, presence of the Holy Ghost, he must reveal the Son to us. Because Jesus said he will take things of the Father and reveal them to you. Revelation and knowledge. Revelation and knowledge. So, Apostle Paul told you, Athenians, that the name will leave And have been. That is, my genetic composition is coded in Him, my expression was encoded and perfected in Him. In him I live. That is my life is contained in him. Everything about him, everything about me are so intermingled that they are inseparable. In him I live. In him I live and have my functionality. In other words, God is the dictator of my life. He determines how I live, how I act, how I I talk, my attributes, how I relate, how I respond, how I react, my values, my priorities. In him I live, Apostle Paul wrote. He told us, Athenians, that in him you live. 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 And outside of him, you don't live. In other words, to live outside of him is not to live at all. It means death. So to live actually is to live in him. And when we live in him, you become yourself because in name you live and have your being in other words my being comes into reality because I find my way in him my knowledge of God find a fruitful is fruitful or, um, or there's fruitfulness in it when I find my way in him I become myself I have my being because my life reality is found in him. When I live outside of him, I don't have my being. I don't have myself. All that things have me. So many things control me when I live outside of him. But when I live inside of him, he, he runs my life like a software. He becomes the software that runs me. If I live outside of him, I am living outside the genetic codes that encoded me, that decide and the time is my functionality here on earth. So if I live outside of him, I will miss my track, I will miss my purpose, I will miss my way, I will miss my uniqueness, I will miss my real self, my being. In him I live. You know, in that portion of the scriptures we read in Acts chapter 17, Apostle Paul made us understand that he is not also far from us because we are his offsprings. Hallelujah. I am not the source of myself. Then if I am not, I don't get that for myself. Now, let me draw your attention to something. You know, the Holy Ghost has been showing me that scriptures over and over. The fact that Christ had done all he did for us. But we may choose to walk away from it. In Jeremiah chapter 1, God told Jeremiah, Before I formed you in the belly, before you came out, physically, I have made you live. In other words, your existence predicts your body. And your existence will continue after your body's long rotting. that's not just the only fact i want to confront you with as we begin to round off i want to also put true to you another thought that because in him we live and because god foreknew us because he predestinated us and the reason why He predestinated us so that we can find never forget the words of that scripture that he made all to dwell on earth. He made all of one blood and He made us to dwell in different boundaries. He gave us time to live. That is, we live in different different dispensations so that we can find our expression in Him. By implication, if my life was planned, then I know with all conviction that nothing can serve as a threat to my life, even if the economy is going bad, because God had planned me, completed my life before I started it. But it is something that is needed for me. If I'm living in Him and I, I want to be of Him, then I have to acknowledge Him, I have to seek Him on a daily basis. I have to learn to, to, to relate to them, to develop an intimacy with them. Because until I do this, I will never find my being. I will never find my being. Never will I find it. Never will I find it. Never will I find it. Hallelujah. God has something to store for you. Why? Because before I emerge, my destiny has been settled. I am living a completed life, okay? My life was completed. There is a script that was written about me before I appeared. Yeah, hallelujah. And that script has encoded my life, encoded my experiences, encoded my encounters. What makes me, or what positions me, to, to feature that content of that script is myself finding my entrance. Why must they come into him? But be, be, because, as Apostle Peter put it, we are all sheep going astray. But now, because of the grace of God, because of the death of Jesus, we are now heading back to the shepherd of our white souls. So there is a script about my life. That script was completed before I came on board. So when I came on board, I came to live the dictates and the content of that script. The Bible talks about about Jesus Christ. I think that should be Psalm chapter forty. He said that, "No, it is written of me in the volume of the book. Thy will, O Lord, will I do." Sacrifice and go that would not, but a body that made me. In other words, my body is, is made to, to be a channel through which my spirit and its essence find expression. In the volume of the book, there's a script about my life. That script was completed before I appeared here. No wonder each time Matthew writes his gospel, he would make mention of Jesus' art, and he would say that art is as a result of what have been spoken. A script for your life. There is a script, but the only way you can unravel the content of that script to find your way in Him is to find God. We are still on that at chapter seventeen. Just try to look at, just trying to look at the implication of what Apostle Paul meant when he said, "In Him you live. This God is not far from you. He wants you to repent. Why? Because He's going to judge the world." So God's law for us, God's salvation plan is is is, an, is 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 a device to make us escape God's wrath. Romans chapter one. The Bible says because of this ungodliness, the wrath of God is going to be poured out. But we are saved from that wrath because we have faith in the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. There's a script for your life, and you have to live by that script. Nothing should affect that script. So for you to live in the entirety of that script, you must be in him. And until you come into him, you can't have your being, you can't play out the content of that script. That's the implication. What is in him? John chapter 1 says, In him is life, and the life is the light of man, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot comprehend it. What does that tell you? It tells you that in him you have life, and when you are in him, in other words, you become of him, that is, you belong to him. You can't be of him until you, you find yourself in him, and you can't be in him without becoming of him. And until you become of him He can't deal with you Because he must have an ownership of you That was why Apostle Paul said That he is the Lord By implication By implication If I live in him Sicknesses and diseases Should not threaten me Should not attack my body. Poverty should not attack my body. Because I am in him. If the sickness can get into him. Then it will get into me. But if the sickness cannot get into him. Then it cannot get at me. You know I don't own my life. My life is in him. It was completed before it started. But then there is a condition for the fulfillment of the life. It must be in him. That's the condition. In him. Why must it be in him? Because I am his offspring. That is, I don't exist apart from him. I am his offshoot. I am his offspring. I came out of him. I'm begotten of him. I have the same trait in him. His DNA is my DNA composition. I don't break away from him out of rebellion. But I am an offshoot, an offspring, a, 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 a divergence of him to express his very intangible essence. Romans chapter 1. His invisible attributes are clearly seen by the things that are seen. I am a seen reality. So as a seen reality, my life to be an expression. As finite as I am, I am a completeness of God. I mean, I am a complete demonstration of him. I am complete in him, the scripture says. So do you want to live in him? Do you want to know him? He's not far from you. He's so near that you don't need to take a step forward or that to replace the name. You can find him right away in your chair. You can take away your own problem by yourself. Ow. get into him. Get into him first. Who is this him? He's a creator. What used to be an anonymous God, the God you never knew then. You see, he's not an absentee God in your life. He had always been there, but you've not observed him. But now this is God. Men do not know him, but he is there. Although you cannot see him physically, but when he comes into your life, he does not come in quietly. You will sense the weight of his presence. He is so weighty, he can't be unnoticed when he stepped into your heart. Or when he step into your business or your marriage or whatever you want him to step into. Although he may even come in quietly, but he won't think, uh, stick in sneak 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 that's the that's the correct pronunciation sneak in if you don't want him why because you gave him your life if you wanted it i mean you will not come in until you give him your life so until you or until you 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 give your life to him you will not Overrule it Dear friend, yes, God. Your days of confession on Hover. How do you know Him? You see now Paul explaining. He's not far from you. How did you get into Him? Romans chapter 10. Believe in your heart that He's your Savior. Okay, let me round off by showing the scripture more. Romans chapter 3. It's one of my favorite scriptures. How does God intend that we come into Christ? Let's see Romans chapter 3. Verse 21. What the Lord is telling us here is that we don't merit God. Because anyone that we have God must have a requirement and that requirement is called righteousness. The divine nature. Like Apostle Paul wrote in Acts chapter 17 that this divine nature, all I have described to is a divine nature. And that divine nature is called righteousness. No human has it. Because all our righteousness is like a a rag. In fact, as a matter of fact, no one does righteousness. We can't attain it by our own effort, but Christ did this. Now, I read from verse 21, see what Christ has done for us and why we need Him. But now, the righteousness of God apart from the Lord is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and all who believe, for there is no difference. For all have seen and tortured of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a property Asian. By his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, God has passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness that we might be just, that he might be just and justified of those who have faith in Jesus. So how do you know him? How do you come into him? Faith in Jesus. Faith in Jesus. I'm the faith in Jesus to receive God's nature. The one this is done by you, that's how to know God. That's the beginning. Then your affection afterwards must begin to be that you submit to the leadership of the Holy Ghost. Must be that like you need food to sustain for your daily life, like you need water live your daily life, you will need the presence of God. And since these are intangible realities, like we read from Acts chapter 17, that they cannot be seen, they cannot be touched, they are divine nature, then it would mean that you have got to learn how to pray. What is prayer? Talking to God. Yet you cannot pray without the Word of God. Because it's the Word of God that tells you how and what to pray. So, to actually come to the place of prayer, you have got to come to the place when you know the word of God. So, fourth things is very vital in your walk with God and in advancing your knowledge in God. Number one is daily dependence on the Holy Ghost. Yeah, you say, Holy Ghost, come into my life. Lead me, fill me up. Let me walk in the Spirit. Let me live in the Spirit. Number two, you've got to develop an interest for the word of God. I would advise you to start from the book of Matthew. Sorry, the book of John. Anywhere from Scripture. But I prefer the book of John. Because it tells you more about what Jesus Christ has in store for you. And it reveals the mind of the Father to you. Number three, you have got to learn to worship God. Although your, your, your worship becomes better before as the Holy Ghost through the light of God's revelation into your spirit and as you begin to discover yourself in, in the revelation of the word of God. And number four is meditation. If you do these four things, not in a church will, that you come to God and say, God, fill me up. God, show me your way. Show me your way. Open my heart to see your word. And you will go at the word of God to read it. And occasionally you will fast in find out God. I tell you, in a little while, you are going to find out God. Hallelujah. Now let us pray. Dear Jesus, we bless you. It's a nice thing sitting at your presence. The Bible says unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly. More than what we think of ask. Thank you for a divine reality. Thank you for your faith in the Lord Jesus. Thank you for redemption. We give you all the praise. We give you all the praise. Thank you because of a knowledge of you thank you for the revelation of you father we pray that you open our eyes to see you more create an hunger desire after you lay your hands upon us make us channels through which you will bring others to your reality in the name of Jesus that this God that is unknown in the world will be revealed by us that will be a tool in your hands and will reconcile men to you. Thank you because this is given to us because of Jesus. In Jesus' mighty name, we've demanded all this. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you. God bless you.